From WUWM, Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes, a podcast about Wisconsin politics and politicians. I'm Marty Michelson. Each week, I discuss noteworthy developments with J.R. Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com. Here's our latest conversation. J.R., legal items dominated the news at the state capitol last week. Some Republican state lawmakers are suing Democratic Attorney General Josh Call, saying he's not complying with laws passed during a lame duck session late last year. Those laws are designed to limit Call's powers and those of Democratic Governor Tony Evers. This is the fifth lawsuit that's been filed involving the lame duck laws. And it's the first one filed by Republicans who argue the lame duck laws are constitutional. The other lawsuits have been filed by Democrats and their allies who are fighting the laws. So what is the GOP accusing the attorney general of and what has been Call's response? Basically, they're saying he's ignoring the intent of what they approved in December. And Call's response is these laws were poorly worded and an attempt to undercut the DOJ budget, and therefore he is going to ignore the pieces that, or his interpretation says that, you know, some of this stuff is not what you intended it to be. Um, basically, you know, I'm not a lawyer, I don't play one on TV, but it gets down to what does the law actually cover? The intent from lawmakers, Republican lawmakers, was that basically if calls defending a state statute, for example, somebody says it's unconstitutional, before he reaches a settlement, he'd have to go to the legislature and say, okay, um, here's what they want to do, give me permission to settle this, or something like that. What Call is saying is that there are, cir- there are circumstances in which he and another party, DOJ and another party, reaches an agreement before going to trial, and you don't have to submit that legislature because of the way the statute was worded. Again, I don't know uh, how this is going to play out legally, but Republicans are going to state Supreme Court and asked the justices to take this case directly. It's called a case of first impression. Um, the justices are saying, or sorry, uh, can you, sorry, Marty, could you delete the part about case of first impression? Because I realized that was not what I meant sure. to say. Okay. So we'll just start from, from cutting that out and three, two, one. So for the state Supreme court, you know, this is a case of the justices get a chance to say, yes, we're going to take it or no, it must go to the lower courts first. There's no guarantee the court will hear it just yet. But basically Republicans want the Supreme court to say, okay, this is what that law means, and Josh Call, this is what you must do to meet the law. In another development, a conservative law firm is asking the Wisconsin Supreme Court to dramatically scale back the ability of governors to use partial veto power to change the intent of budget items passed by the legislature. The Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty filed the lawsuit last week on behalf of a few taxpayers. It seeks to overturn several of Governor Evers' 78 partial vetoes he made to the most recent state budget. Which partial vetoes do the plaintiffs find so objectionable, and what are what do you think are the chances of the Supreme Court directly taking this case? Well, there are four that they singled out. One of them, for example, was expand the definition of vaping products that can be taxed. Another one was Republicans put aside $90 million um, specifically for road projects. Evers reduced that to $75 million and then opened it up to transit projects as well. So things like bike paths, for example, could qualify for that money, not just road work. And basically what the, they're arguing is in the lawsuit is that Evers uses veto pen to basically create policy that lawmakers didn't have a chance to approve. Now, um, what's going to happen? I don't know. 
about 40 years ago or so, state Supreme Court said that the governor has a pretty uh, broad veto pen and can do things like this. However, we have a much different court than we had 40 years ago. Uh, Brian Hagedorn, a conservative, joined the bench last week, pushed the conservative majority to 5-2. And I would bet that there are Republicans who think, hey, it's a more conservative bench than we saw before. It might come to a different conclusion about things like this once we push it. Now, it's also worth noting it's one of a couple different uh, efforts against the Evers veto pen going on. One is the lawsuit. The other one is uh, Republicans were unhappy, some of them at least, unhappy that Evers found a way with his veto pen to increase spending on schools by crossing out a few words in a sentence in the budget. They've got a constitutional amendment they're proposing that would prohibit governors through their veto pens from raising spending beyond levels authorized by the legislature. Now, what to watch is, you know, what's the unintended consequence? Yes, right now Republicans are unhappy about what Evers is veto pen, but there'll be a Republican governor again someday. I'm not sure when exactly, but it'll happen. Will these efforts, if they're successful, would they tie the hands of that governor? Um, also, you know, kind of worth noting that Democrats feel like this is a continuation of a pattern they've seen for Republicans are trying to change the rules because they're unhappy about what happened in November. And that's really what Governor Evers kind of said after hearing of the lawsuit from Will was that, hey, the election was in November. It's time to move on. Let's move past this. But Democrats look at see a pattern of the extraordinary recession in December where Republicans approved a series of changes to rein in the powers of Evers and Josh Call. The lawsuit, they're just seeing it as an effort to kind of change the rules because Republicans, in their mind, aren't happy about the results of the, election, the last election. And finally, Democratic State Representative Jimmy Anderson, who uses a wheelchair, said last week he was thinking of suing the state for not allowing him to phone in to committee meetings. Anderson says his disability makes it difficult at times to attend every meeting in person and says the state assembly's refusal to allow him to phone in is a violation of federal law. Assembly Speaker Robin Voss accused Anderson of grandstanding and says it's disrespectful for a lawmaker to participate in committee hearings by speakerphone while those testifying took the time to appear in person. Voss says he will not grant Anderson's request to participate by phone, but he will pursue other accommodations. Do you think this puts the issue to rest? No. Um, you know, a little background. When Robin Voss became Assembly Speaker in 2013, he made clear he wanted to professionalize the atmosphere in the Assembly. He didn't like, for example, that it was a regular occurrence for the Assembly to not come in to meet on the floor until after dinner, then go well in the night, even to overnight. I mean, they've kind of standardized the hours. They've They've got a dress code on the floor. I mean, lots of things to try and, in his mind, make it a more professional environment. Um, and he's also made quite clear he does not like the idea of lawmakers phoning in for committee hearings, which is allowed in the state Senate, by the way. Um, that's been there for as long as I can remember, actually. The thing is, though, in talking to people on both sides of the aisle, they can't figure out why Robin Voss is making this stand with this lawmaker. I mean, yeah, they can understand that you don't want anybody to have, you know, just everybody to have this uh, an exemption that, you know, they can phone in because you worry people to abuse it. But here you have a lawmaker who's paralyzed from the chest down, who is in a wheelchair, who has certain restrictions on how long he can be in that chair. There, I mean, all kinds of issues to deal with because of what's going on uh, due to a car accident, a car crash in 2010, I believe it was, that killed his parents and his brother. I mean, he has challenges. Why not give this one lawmaker this one exemption and put the story to rest? Instead, what's happened is Voss has taken a position saying, no, we're not going to do this. 
He's accused of innocent of grandstanding. He says, you're not serious about this issue because you are going to mediate with it, not talking to me. And the pushback has been that, well, Democrats actually raised this issue with Robin back in early winter uh, after the session kind of started so like around February, I think it was, talking about uh, exemption for uh, Anderson to participate in meetings this way. Um, that you know, it's just it's just not a great look for him, for Robin Voss, as issue percolating. And now you have the specter of Jim Anderson saying, well, look, if you guys want to do this, then I'm going to go possibly go to court. Just imagine how it's going to play out, having a lawsuit out there from a disabled lawmaker saying, this guy won't allow me to do my job. It's not the best look. And let's also be honest. I mean, you know, Jimmy Anderson is fairly smart politically. He's seen that this is a story that's gotten legs. It's getting attention. He's raising awareness about people with disabilities and challenges they face. And it's also putting Ron Voss in a difficult position. So there's a lot of stuff happening here. But the folks I talked to just can't quite figure out why Robin Voss is making this stand on this issue when there are ways to accommodate Jimmy Anderson and make it go, make this issue go away. That's WISPolitics.com editor J.R. Ross. You can join us each week for our conversations. And if you haven't done so already, subscribe to Capital Notes on iTunes, NPR One, or wherever you get your podcasts.